Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Stripe Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water... Do you believe? We have a great show for you guys today. We have reporter, producer, and host Michelle Marie joining the boys on the Charity Stripe. So buckle up, tuck it into your waistband, because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back. We sitting here. I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Bases loaded. Two out. Breaking news. This important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement. After more than 18 months of research and development, the Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the greatest ball hair trimmer ever invented. This new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we are the first to confirm the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Manscaping trimmer is now available for purchase. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with the free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code B-L-E-A-V, BELIEVE, and as always, your balls will thank you. Go do it. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe. Hit your free throws because they're free. So 218 coming hot at you guys. And so 217 and all the Super Bowl recap previews that we did. And I'm flanked on my right by defensive coordinator Alex Tosmiroktisopoulos. And you heard in the intro, we got host, reporter, producer. You've seen her on ESPN, Yahoo Sports, Michelle Marie joining the show. How are you, Michelle? I am great. I'm so glad I am finally able to meet both of you guys and I be know, here to actually person. talk about some good stuff. So. We're excited, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pumped to have you. I mean, the by the way, are you hungover, or what is this like whole Miami uh, like feeling like? Because I know when I get back from Miami, it takes some time. Well, we're, we're not hungover. <laughs> it, in like we, a radio hangover, I mean. Yeah. De- we definitely have that. We yeah. definitely have that. I mean, it's. I, I think this is going to sound so lame. We were like pretty strictly business the whole time. Like we would wake up. I mean, the first night we went to bed, I didn't really sleep much. I mean, we when we get there, we got to the hotel, right? And uh, Alex and Toss and I's uh, beds were so close to each other. I'm like, I haven't slept that. Like, they're there. Yeah, I haven't slept it, that close to someone in a long time. It was time. such a strange <laughs> hotel room. Such a strange hotel room. It was like two twin yet. beds, but rather than them being separated by a, yeah. a nightstand or whatever it is, they were pushed together. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, pushed yeah. together. Yeah. It was yeah. almost make, like a twin, like double. a mega bed, like a mega bed. <laughs> yeah. And like we, I couldn't really sleep. I was so excited the first night. We get it. We get there to Radio Row, and you've been there before. It's yes. just 
like every player you could imagine, every personality. Everyone's just roaming around, doing interviews, talking the game, talking sports, talking life. And then you're you're there at nine. You're done at like six. Uh, you're getting your last second interviews in, going back to the hotel, heading to like an event or a party at eight, getting back at 12. And then exactly. we had to like, I guess we had, I had in the back of my mind. I didn't drink. I don't really. I didn't. Don't really yeah, drink that much. Yeah, not when you're working. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, the nothing. There's anything wrong with that. I, just I mean, I did. But that's yeah, okay. no, you I, have to I, keep I, that focus. I just. <laughs> I don't. I just don't personally that much yeah. anymore. But the um, we had to get back, and we get back. We're done at the NFL media party that they have on Tuesday nights, mm-hmm. and we have to edit the show. Like, all right, we're just gonna drop a show, and then we get back. We edit the show, and it's two a.m. before you know it, and yeah. then because you're kicking it a little bit, and you're talking, and you're doing, it, and you're having fun the other guys you came down with and then you get to get up and do it again and again and again yeah so and then and you then come back and you have no voice no uh, voice and you're just like Exhausted, completely shot you yeah. sleep for three days yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I slept and, well you forget that you know that that second day we got there on monday night we're there tuesday morning and yeah. what was 8 a.m in miami felt like 5 a.m for la time right mm-hmm. and your body just yeah. is totally not up and ready to go never yeah. no period of adjustment and thank god i didn't drink because i mean you've been to we went to jay glazer's party which yep. is love jug- jay which is just the craziest. He's I got to meet best. Eddie George, which was just like the highlight, honestly, oh the highlight my of my week. Uh, the uh, but he has like the auction he has there. Yeah. Did he have? Has he had it before there? Where there's like the crazy. You know, I didn't go to his event. It's been a few years since yeah, yeah. I covered uh, the last Super Bowl I went to was in New York, so right it was on. a totally different layout. But I covered the last two Super Bowls in Miami for oh, Yahoo Sports, man. so I knew like I knew that that city was going to just take it to a new level in terms of like all the events surrounding it. There's yeah. always something to yeah. do. So I don't city. really. Remember remember jay's event back then but i mean obviously this year he's taking everything to a new level yeah and were you guys in the convention center for those yeah, Super there Bowls was, as well? yeah for yes. radio row yes yeah. radio row and then i covered all the events outside of oh really That's yeah so my wow. main my main beat was like covering all the the maxim party the victoria's secret party and doing all the red carpets yeah, yeah, yeah and then um and then like covering all the fans when when the teams won, so yeah. like in the streets oh, and going amazing. like man on the street, it was that's really great. Fun. That's a that's a great gig. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know people. I mean, I guess I knew people did that. I thought I just thought it was like local news stations. But yeah. That's, that's no, luckily awesome. I was able to, to be more like on the entertainment beat for Super Bowl, cool. so I got to enjoy all the stuff surrounding it. Um, and I think that's there's a lot of coverage to to get. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so much. I mean, there's because there's just more than the game. There's so much more than the game. It's a full week long event. Yeah. I mean, we see when all NBA All Star Weekend when that was in Los Angeles a couple years ago. I mean, yeah. It's just like a full. There's events. There's parties. Celebrities. Every night. And, I yeah. mean, you see all the entertainment outlets. Super fans, right. kind yeah. of thing. And that's what I was saying. I mean, we were at. Jake Glazer's thing and there was just more than football players there oh yeah and like thank god I didn't drink because I almost I almost soberly put my name down for the $800 <laughs> Usain Bolt signed jersey <laughs> <laughs> I was like that was like, I'm like I'm about to put my email I was like what email should I use and I was like I, I gotta get out of here <laughs> I gotta get home <laughs> this so is funny. just like a mistake but yeah it's a great experience it's mm-hmm. crazy it's uh yeah as far as like events like that that you've been to yeah where would you scale that like between that I would all-star say- weekend like NBA all-star weekend like where do you yeah yeah, I mean, just to kind of like give some context, I yeah. cover entertainment and sports. Yeah. So um, I've always loved covering sports events because I feel like it brings both worlds together, which yeah. is what I'm about. Um, so I would say Super Bowl be like maybe like top two. I really enjoy the Grammys. I'm a music girl, but I'm okay. also like I love NBA, I love sports in general. But what I love most about the Super Bowl is everybody's watching it, whether you're at home, whether you're like, you know, like a, a casual fan or, you know, everyone knows about it. Yeah. So they're going to they're going to know what's going on. You're going to know who's playing. Maybe you don't know who the, the players are, but, you know, a lot of people are paying attention 
attention. So I think for one that's reason what, or another, for one reason, yeah. or whether it's like the halftime show, like which this was year, amazing like, this year, oh exactly. Like JLo and Shakira killed it. And uh, I think every year, you know, there's always an uh, event that surrounds it that everyone's talking about. So it's really a pop culture moment. When you think about Super Bowl, there's always something that comes out of it like that. Yeah. yeah. Like the Janet Jackson and, uh, and Justin Timberlake. Yep fiasco the, that happened years ago. Some the ago. best, some the worst halftime <laughs> show, depending on how old you are and what, yeah, yeah, what so your gender was in that. For there's that a one. reason why advertisers spend so much money on those commercials. So I, I heard the commercials were going for like a ridiculous sum it, this there year. There were so many celebrities this year. It was like, the first thing I thought about was how yeah. much money are they shelling out for, for talent, let alone like the influencer culture now is like booming. But can, can you just imagine how much People like Chrissy Teigen and John Legend, they're getting paid yeah. up the Yazoo. Yeah. Um, well, one know. of those, one of the commercials was just uh, the the Kapok one. Did you see that one? The I it, missed that one. Oh my gosh, it was go like back. it was I like Rachel it. Drash like five and like Chris Evans, Chris Evans. Oh and, yes, yeah, and John Krasinski. Yeah, but like Boston people, I didn't even like know what the commercial was. <laughs> no, you're just you're just like trying to keep up with who's on right. The screen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually watched the Super Bowl in my, not hometown, but in Orange County in Newport Beach at a friend's uh, birthday party. So he couples his birthday party and also has like a big Super Bowl party oh, and rents out this entire um, theater. So we were in a movie theater, no. like all to ourselves on the biggest screen ever. So I will have to say it was a pretty amazing experience. Z- I mean, I wanted to go to Miami. My thing is like, if I'm not getting paid to be there, I don't need to go. For yeah. sure. um, so I was this close to getting this gig, but um, right. I was happy that I was able to see it. Well, and way. I mean, we watched the game back here. It was like, yeah. we had had our time there. Yeah, yeah. Like you were saying, Staying we were there. absolutely spent. And it yeah. was like, let's get back, watch on the couch yeah. and like really enjoy the experience. Yeah. yeah. By the way, great game. Um, great game. My dad is a dot was a diehard 49ers fan. So I was really hoping that they would win because, you know, that would have been like the first time in 25 years they'd take home um you know hoist that hoist that trophy but I think that um you know I think that it was good that Andy Reid took that home and took and took took home the champ championship I mean I have to say it's like it was depressing to see that happen on my end because I'm (laughs) like man like we were so close but it was a great game there was no like lose every every side that won there would have been a win-win for me because obviously you want Andy Reid to get it I'm a Patriots fan so I'm always pulling for Jimmy G yeah you know because he comes from the organization like Thomas makes fun of me all the time that anybody that played a snap for the Patriots I'll root for yeah um but yeah I mean there's it's there the issue was they're both two likable teams like like, again if you're not a Patriots fan and they're in the Super Bowl everyone's Mm -hmm. like all right screw these guys we don't want we don't want any part of it and for the first time in a long time the fans of the NFL thought that both of these teams deserved to be there, yeah. too, which I think yeah, had a lot, no a lot to do with it. It was a toss. I mean, it was a toss up on the spread, yeah. pretty much going. In. It was, it was a, it, the Niners had it until like nine minutes to go. I yeah, I know. I, I think that for me, I'm, I, no offense, but I'm glad that we were able to see a Super Bowl without Tom Brady. And it just because it was like, it, you know, you want to see the underdogs come yeah. up oh, and yeah. be able to have that moment. And so that's what I, mo- I love most about it. Rather, rather not you're like rooting for the two, che- two teams that are there, at least right. that, you know, you can see people actually have and, that shine. And what a great narrative for Tom Brady's season next yes. year for him to come back and maybe make a Super Bowl. Oh, I sure mean, you know what I mean? Like I mean, in classic Tom Brady fashion, like something like course. that's going to happen. Yeah, they won't not make it or at least make the title <laughs> game. Um, but, the, uh, <laughs> but no, it's I mean, you, you cover the NBA. I mean, you know, the whole deal with the yeah. Warriors. It's like after a while, like I love Steph and Clay. I love like, Clay Thompson is one of my favorite players. Yeah. I mean, as much as I hated KD going there, we're Longhorns, uh, we're former Longhorns. Um, so KD, yeah, how come KD's our guy? And so, I, but after a while, it's like all right, enough already. Let's enough get a, already. Let's get a change up yeah. in the sport because you know? it's also going to help with uh, viewership and people yeah. are going to want to see yeah. an exciting game and league. And and I think it's what happening. That's what's happening in the uh, NBA right now. But going back to the um, NFL, I was going to say I just um, went to a screening for Fox Sports. 
uh, and checked out the Tom Brady, um, the Brady heist. Did mm-hmm. you just check it out? Did you hear about it? No. It was like this like mixture of true crime and um, the story behind uh, Tom Brady's jersey getting stolen. Did you hear about no, that? No, no, I have not. Yeah, they aired cool. it on. Yeah, so I went to the screening like two weeks before the Super Bowl, and they aired it on Saturday on Fox. Was wow. it just so, just like a, a doc in it of itself? Documentary or? is okay. like a sports documentary slash um, true crime story. Like an hour and a half, like two. I hours? think it was like it was for television, so I believe oh, okay. it was like about. 60 minutes oh, okay. um, or under. And um, yeah, it was called The Great Brady Heist. And it was just all about uh, the story behind the the stuff that was stolen, the jersey that was stolen during the Super Bowl. And they interviewed the guy that stole it. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'll let you guys go and yeah, check it out. Yeah, there's a lot of thieves are getting a lot of hype lately. I don't know if you've seen like the, in the podcast world and the YouTube world, a lot of guys who've a lot of bank robbers are getting glorified and I honestly I'm like I'm not going to sit here and be like that's a bad thing because like, I definitely watch and I'm like wow it's kind of yeah. cool um, but there's like I've definitely seen like a lot of robbers and like you know people that, yeah. that are thieves that are like yeah getting interviewed and like you know talking about their experience I think it's true crime I think yeah, it's so hot crazy. right now yeah, yeah. yeah. everybody's into in it yeah 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 I mean getting into the psychology of the person yes. who's committing the crime too uh, yeah I mean big. what do you yeah, yeah it's it's it's, yeah. it's it's a wild one but yeah, I mean way back when Jesse James would have been like the hottest interview to get for sure well I actually, uh, last year, I was hired by MTV to host a documentary special. It was an investigative reporter role, very, like, new space for me, but... Um, I, I don't think I should probably say, I shouldn't say what it is cause it, we haven't actually, it hasn't come up yet. Um, hasn't been announced, but I spent three, four months investigating a story about someone who screwed up, you know, just one of those guys that just screwed people over. Think of it as like one of the biggest stories of 2019 that came forward. Yeah. Um, and that was what we covered and it was my first time like experiencing that moment where you have to really delve deep into that person's psychology and, yeah. and overanalyze what is it. What was their motive and why mm. did they do it and and what did they gain from it and why are we so fascinated with it? So it was a really, really cool Where project. Where you individually were interviewing that that person? No, we didn't interview okay. that person. That person's in jail. Okay. <laughs> but we interviewed victims and He'll people that were affected. He'll get an interview in the next five years, I'm yeah. sure. The, the, goal, the goal is that we get him when he comes out of jail, but right. I mean, it, it was a really, really big story. Wow. Um, yeah, so we it hasn't been announced or we to be honest we don't know if it'll air just depends but that's the thing about investigative reporting is you have to kind of you have to follow that story and if you don't have enough leads or enough interviews or enough uh, context then you know you have to have the story and have you know have a reason to air it so we'll see what happens what was the transition like for you like kind of getting into that it was it was daunting to be honest it was a verite type of show so they followed me around it was a little bit more Mm. like a like a reality thing and um I had always been used to like red carpets or sit down interviews yeah, or yeah, yeah. live shows or talk shows and right. hosting, anchoring. Um, so this was a little bit different for me because it was more like the camera was turned around on me and yeah. I had to kind of articulate. Felt like you almost had to be on like twenty four seven kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, think of it like Dateline, but like in a documentary style yeah. where you have to go um, and there, moment by moment you have to find perspective, gather your thoughts, and articulate what you're what you're what you're getting from that moment or what you see as you're driving through a city. And then there's all these, I don't know how I feel about this, but like beauty shots where they're following me. You know, it's almost like you're acting, like act like you're, um, act like you're contemplating, you know, this question and <laughs> right, look at your right. phone and do this and that. And I just was not used to that. Yeah. Um, but oh, my director man. and the people I worked with are pros and they knew they knew how to work with me. And I'm actually super close with them now. And I'm just glad. I think every experience in work is is put there for a reason. I think that just kind of helped you, helped me um, or helps people uh, transition to whatever's next. I always believe every, ex- every experience you have in your career and in life is always setting you up for whatever is coming next. 
Mm, yeah. Yeah. Kind of just like a just like a growth mindset. Kind yeah. Of thing. I couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah. That's how I try to live my life at yeah. least. Because I mean, I know that I I I'm I have this mindset where I just want to always win and be the best I can be at everything I do. But I have to know there's weaknesses that I can also you know work on and, and right. there. But you don't want to focus just on that. You want to be able to kind of learn and grow and be patient with yourself. That's a it was a huge learning experience and curve for me. But I'm glad I. I'm glad I did it. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, the, that's your, the nature of our business. You yeah. Know what I mean? It's like once you get, I mean, you know, it's once you, you're so excited going into a project and then by the time it's finished, you're like, oh, I just, we'll see, you know, you just got that. <laughs> we'll see who knows. I always wonder how actors deal with the, the adversity throughout their career where they, sometimes they, they shoot a pilot, they do a series and then it never airs. That was the experience I had because we hadn't, I thought it was going to air last year didn't happen and you know the net then you have the network executives and it's just a whole like ball game that I wasn't familiar with yeah and um, I can just only imagine what that's like you can't cher- it, you just can't cherish the result of anything I mean you can't no. that's that can't yeah I think I, I think it depends on the the experience if it's an enriching experience then whether it comes out or not I think most actors would probably say that it was it was beneficial and they loved it right 100%. even mm. if it didn't even if it no one saw it even if it never yeah, saw it like that. yeah and you have to it's just you have to really. It just enhances and reinforces the notion that you get to really enjoy everything you're doing as you're doing it. So exactly. if you're if you're lo- if we're looking at the show, right? Like the, the, let's say you look at the charity stripe as a whole concept. Like ideally, you know, two three years or a year from now, you get syndicated. You're on Sirius XM. You're on this. You're on that, and it's blown up and it's gone to this direction. I can get any guest I want, mm-hmm. ideally, right? But if you're too focused, too focused, like looking at that or trying to harp for that yeah. or like that's your, like, you know, you're you're looking trying to cherish goal. the result. Yeah. yeah. Everything obviously a probably won't work out, and B you've missed out on the best parts. And those are the times when you're actually getting better. Is yeah. when right. you're, when you're again like just honing in on your craft and working hard at it, and and that's the moment that you're actually neat that you should actually be relishing in and cherishing because mm-hmm. that is how you're growing. That's how yeah. you're gonna be better the next time. Yeah. I'm sure you've had interviews yourself where oh the person God. sitting across from you is someone that's been a hero of yours or a, a celebrity that's well known or a sports or an athlete who you've been like, wow, just amazed by how they play. And then after the interview ends, you're like, whoa, that was really cool. Yeah. Like, that was really special. And like yeah. something I'll cherish for a long time. And then it doesn't matter how many people have seen it or how many people hear no. it. It's just like, it's, I mean, it's similar to like, we've had, we've had experiences like that where it's like, you know, we want a million and one downloads and a million and one views, but then we look back on it and we're like, you know what, that was just such a cool aspect. And you go from like an acting perspective, there's times where I performed in front of a thousand plus people. There's times where I performed in front of 50 people, like an improv show or like a musical, vice versa. And yeah, while, I'm, you know, 1K plus saw me do something, it's not as gratifying as like the experience I had with for the 50 people. Doing exactly. The improv show. Totally feel, get that. Yeah. How do you get started in reporting? That's like, the, oh that's gosh. what I've been wondering. Yeah. I'm curious because I've seen what you, you know, everything you've done. You've been on a, literally every station you could possibly be on. Pretty on much. A, you've covered, you've literally like MTV. I spread myself covered. really thin. Yeah. Um, I feel very fortunate to have been yeah. able to have experiences all over the map, you know, from Billboard and all the like the prominent outlets. I mm-hmm. believe I've probably worked for them at least once or twice. No, but um, how I got started was honestly it, I was a performer and dancer growing up. So I considered myself an athlete. Um, I was a competitive dancer all my life. So I was meant to be on yeah, you're stage. An athlete for I'm sure. an athlete. Like yeah. I, we were exactly we were we were dancing all weekend i was practicing all week it was basically the same thing that you see with i took athlete. ballet one and tap one in college and that shit yes. was hard you know yeah my <laughs> thighs oh, yeah. were like I, and I was i was i would run 20 miles every other day in college and i would ball, show up to ballet one couldn't walk the next day it was yeah 
it was pretty brutal. <laughs> it's a tough one. But you you have to get you have to get yourself used to it um, yeah. because it's just like this rigor, rigorous schedule that you that you learn along the way. And yeah. I started when I was seven, competed by ten, um, all the way until eighteen. Got an agent at sixteen, um, signed with an agent, started going to auditions, all of that. And then I got in a car accident when I was seventeen. Oh, yeah, God. that ruined everything. Uh, I wanted to be a Laker girl. That was the goal um, for the next stage. And then obviously wanted to go to college. So. Um, because of the the dancing career being put on hold um, to a certain level, I had to just focus in more on just going to college. And so I always loved being around people. And uh, at that time, I thought that I wanted to be in PR. I loved the world of entertainment because I was an entertainer myself. So I uh, interned at Fox. This kind of like parlays into the story and kind of transitions us into the Kobe story. But mm. um, yeah, yeah. so I interned at Fox and uh, I thought I was going to be a publicist. I got told I got I don't know I got toyed around but they said you have to um you have to have your first experience on a red carpet so let's send you out to the Teen Choice Awards um and you are going to walk celebrities down the red carpet and my two favorite people that I had always loved at that time um Kobe Bryant huge Laker fan since birth and Justin Timberlake (laughs) oh god the most he's one of the five most talented dudes on the planet I mean yeah, Pam, Jamie Foxx, we could like, yeah, yeah, they're definitely the two of them are in there. And who did I get? Justin Timberlake and Jesus. Kobe Bryant. Oh my gosh. And I'm this intern in college going, yeah. what, you know, what's happening <laughs> right now? This is the, this is like my dream. But I, you know, you have to be professional. And yeah. to be honest, I grew up out here. So I've never, I never really considered myself someone who was starstruck because I just grew, grew up around Good it. Good for you. I just, I just never was. And I think that's why I'm in this business and I continue to work is because I just, I never will be. Um, so when I worked with them, I j- it was a very professional setting and I spent like 30, 40 minutes with each person, mm-hmm. um, really got to know them and I just treated them like human beings, which is what I, how I approach every single interview right. and professional interaction yeah. with any celebrity or even just the people around them. You have to be careful there. There's a lot that I've learned. Um, but you just treat them like they're, they're regular people. That's what they yeah. are. Because they are. Because they are. Yeah. And they want to yeah. be treated like that, by the way. Right. They don't yeah. want to be praised and because no. they, they see that every day from fans. So it's almost like there's like this sense of um, of uh, mutual respect mm-hmm. that you give to them when, you, when you're when you like that. And it's, a, it's just sort of like this reverse psychology thing. Like, I know you're in a pedestal, but I... You know what I mean? It, it just it, it it calms them down. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I I uh, I walked Kobe down carpet with uh, Vanessa, and that was the, he he was really amazing. By the way, so down to earth. They seemed like they were fully in love, and just told me they just got back from Tahiti. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, just sharing what, personal things. How old was he at that point? Do you remember? I don't know how old he was, but it was yeah. like early. It was like early in his. Yeah, a little bit earlier in the still marriage. have hair. Yeah, he still had. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. He didn't have hair. No, he didn't. He had shaved it off cool. by then. Okay. Um, but then I, um, yeah, so we walked down the carpet and then I, you know, as I was, ex- as an intern, you're you're in that role to experience that moment and learn and grow and figure out what you want to do. Because, you know, in college, you don't, some people have a clear set mind on what they want to do, but I kind of like, I still wasn't sure exactly mm-hmm. what I wanted to do in entertainment or in the world of media. Yeah. So in, a, in the PR world, you're on the other side. Media yeah. outlets are down the carpet. So I remember seeing Access Hollywood and all these different platforms. Um, I think it was Maria Menounos that I saw. Um, and I was watching her and we, we brought Kobe to, I don't know if it was Access or ET, and Kobe went up on stage, did the interview, came back, and we were talking and he was like, you could do that. That was the day that I changed my mind into what oh, I wanted man. to do. That's what's so like chilling right now because, um, yeah, Kobe was like, you can do that. 
because I had already spent like 20, 30 minutes yeah, with him. Right. So he got to know me, right? Right, right, right. And, it, and I, it's not that I didn't consider broadcasting. I just, at the time, I was like, I was young, you know, right, I was in college, right. I was yeah. figuring it out. And they had told you to go do this thing, and it was yeah. like, yeah you, yeah, you just did it. And That's amazing. You're good with people, you know, you, right, can just, right. you can be in PR, you can work. I'm like, yeah, I can be a publicist and right. run with celebrities and mm-hmm. live in Hollywood. And I got, and then I got hired at two marketing companies. Um, or not hired, but I got, I got offers and, uh, I turned both of them down and I just Hell went yeah. full force and did what done. I needed to do. Um, and at the same time, I, that is where my work ethic just like went, I always had it, but it went to like another level and I right. did everything that it took to get to where I was today. So to kind of like push forward, what I did was, um, I was doing auto shows back in the day where you would, you know, the girls that stand by the car and they talk about what's in the engine and all that stuff. Auto shows, that was like my first time going live because you're live in front of an audience. And I I saw that there was like a natural ability to to memorize scripts and to present and all of that. So um, then I asked someone to start filming me and I just, I started to create a reel, to be honest. I just started creating stuff. Um, and at that time I met not being assigned to go out and do those. You were just going and doing them on your own. Well, no, no, no. I was assigned. Okay, I okay. was hired by right. those rogue Michelle. Goes I mean, that rogue. would have been amazing <laughs> if that's how you did your demo. Wow. Michelle no. Marie loose on the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, no, 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 no. That would be funny. Who is that? Well, she's good though. <laughs> she's good. <laughs> what is she? Wait a second. Hire her. Hire her. <laughs> but I was also, you know, doing the, you know, when you first, when you're first entering that entertainment business, cause you guys, your guys are in yeah. it. You yeah. gotta just say yes to things. Right. And, um, and so I worked on commercials and gigs here and there. I did music videos. I did whatever it took. But everything's also, new. Yeah. No, everything's yeah. new. But I was a master at networking because what that PR thing did for me in that whole world was allowed me to see that world of like, yes, connections and entertainment, that is how you do it. And so, um, I just would spend all of my time outside of work, um, going out, meeting people, just networking. And, uh, there was somebody that I met who launched a a startup named young Hollywood. Um, and he was a friend of mine, um, social friend of mine. And we didn't, he didn't really know my background so much. And I was just working gigs here and there. And, um, part of this, like the side gigs that I was doing, um, worked it were all about marketing. So I covered, um, I was working in marketing on the side of the SBs. Um, so I would work with like the style villa. We'd walk celebrities down same kind of thing I was doing, like as I was transitioning, same mm-hmm. kind of like PR stuff working, um, for the SBs. So I was hired by an event company and this is all through networking. And one day the guy goes, Hey, um, I need you to come in. This, this girl can't, can't work. Can you come in? And we, I need you to walk athletes around. I met LeBron James that day and Tom Brady. So I kind of started as like a talent escort slash PR person and learned the world of marketing and PR on that side, which is really amazing because I was able to kind of be in the front lines and be able to see how this interaction, celebrity, athlete, manager, agent, and all the handlers around talent, how that works and how to handle them, Right. which I think really gave me some valuable experience in my early career. And then when I got hired, um, I got an offer I started, again, working those events, and I had access back then because I started to meet all these people. I'm getting cards here and there. Yeah. And then what happened was um, RJ, the owner of Young Hollywood, was like, hey, um, we want to do like the MTV, VMAs, or we want to cover this, and your event is going to be there. You're already working. Like Maybe we could just give you a camera because I wanted to build my reel. Mm-hmm. So he gave me – I. We all worked for free back then, you know, <laughs> how it goes. And um, yeah, he's like, hey, we'll send a crew. And the, of course, the event PR people were like, yeah, you're going to give us free press. Right. Yeah. Awesome. All we'll give it. you access. Yeah. And that was when I was just like, 
I already knew how to celebrity wrangle back then because that was what I was doing. Yeah. And I had the connect. So I would just walk up to the athletes and be like, hey, I know you're going to get some free swag, but can I do an interview with you? And I would just come up with random questions. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. So that's like the jump off. And that was just, that turned into my um, full-time gig. He gave me an offer and the rest was history because for three and a half years, I helped build this startup into what it became. And um, I can go into that, but like I really had like the autonomy to be able to go out and do what I wanted to do and cover and really just immerse my entire being into that job. Mm -hmm. And I learned so much and I met so many people. Um, and I actually booty, we were talking about Josh booty. Yeah. There's a friend of mine. Josh yeah. He, the, we, they didn't have a, they didn't have a, um, sports angle there. It was all entertainment. Yeah. Um, so of course I did a lot of stuff in music and entertainment, but, um, how the sports thing started was booty was like, Hey, um, you want to go cover? Like I got access to the Rose Bowl because you know his brother played. Right, John David. Yeah, yeah so John he knew David. John David Booty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Jamie. So he knew like all the people down there. So I was able to go and cover. You know, yeah. with Mark Sanchez and interviewed Mark Sanchez like a long ass time ago. But this is how I got started. You know, it's, it's just, amazing. Yeah, I just went out and it, the rest is history. I, I don't know if you knew more. this, but uh, but Booty of recently um in the last three months is now vegan um, <laughs> fake vegan dude he was eating vegan jerky when, when we were in miami and i was like dude what are you doing <laughs> he's like i don't i don't know he's like i'm getting gray hair maybe i don't know i don't know he was like he's amazing what, he's later, such he's, a good guy he's eating such like a good chips guy. like that's not vegan he's like oh i'm so hungry <laughs> i am i love him i love his brother jack too they're like my brothers I they're love they're love fun guys him. jack was there yeah he's a nice guy i already saw an ig yeah 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 met jack as well yeah. And it's crazy. I mean, like you, there's like once in a blue moon, you hear a story of somebody who meets a celebrity or like their idol and they're like, you can do that. And that just turns the, Change the game. changes the game. I mean, and, and when Kobe Bryant tells you, oh, you can do that in a sense, it's like, oh my God, Kobe Bryant told me I can do this, which is the underlying message. You can do this if you work this hard, work this hard and do this yes. and do that and commit these hours and put this effort in. And the thing I noticed is that he was very present. The entire time he and genuinely yeah. treated me like I was an equal yeah. and wasn't like too cool to talk to the handler or whatnot and um, was explaining like what how you know how they keep their marriage and like I was like oh how you guys are so great and just casual conversations um, and it just really made me admire him so much more. Um, and I've interacted with hundreds and thousands, I could say thousands of celebrities and athletes, and I've interviewed many, many people right. over the years. So um, he's just like, he, and I always said to myself, I'm going to interview him. And that, that was my bucket list, by the way. My bucket list interview was at Kobe, and I didn't get to do it. Yeah, it's yeah. really it's really sad. I think that was something that, just on this show, I mean, like we've talked to each other about like the, you know, the best athlete for us as individuals, like Josh as an individual, me as an individual that we would want to interview. Right. Yeah. And that like interview we would cherish the most. And I think for you, Josh, it would probably be Tom Brady. Yeah. And that's your guy. And like probably. mine would probably like to interview Dirk would be really amazing for me. Cause I'm a huge Mavs fan. I interviewed him. Really? But like in a crowded. Yeah. Crowded you probably, <laughs> yeah. And like, <laughs> like crowded raising, the, raising the mic like 10 feet yeah. in the air so that he could bend yeah. down and yeah. talk into it. <laughs> But I think, He's you know, funny. everyone kind of had that. And it was so interesting, like, when the news broke, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, that Kobe had passed away, I, I mean, one, I cried a lot that day. But I, I was talking to my girlfriend on the phone about it, and then all of a sudden I had this realization. I was like, I can never do this. Like, mm -hmm. I can never. And it wasn't something that, like, he's not Dirk Nowitzki to me, right? But just, like, as a basketball fan and as a kid yeah. who played basketball, like, what he meant to the sport, what he meant to so many people, um, mm -hmm just kind of like hit me 
Um, and I know it's as someone who heard that message from him. It was like the, yeah, I'm sure it was I mean, a similar experience for you. Well, it was, and 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 I had to I had to take the time to really reflect on right. on the there's so many parallels and connections that I can go into about Kobe for me, mm-hmm. um, but that was the one moment that I I knew that like he was it was a pivotal moment for me when I met him, um, and look like. I had no idea that they were going to sign me Kobe. It's not like I sought, sought that out. It was like, I felt like it was, you know, meant to be. I really believe in that. I really believe in timing and meant to be things. And I think he was supposed to be there to just sort of be like a director in my career. And it it was literally two words. He's like, you can, three words, you can do that. Four words, <laughs> you can do that. Four <laughs> words, but it was like two seconds, you know? Yeah. You can do that. You know, and he like, meant it. Right. Yeah, he meant it. But I think exactly what you're talking about, like how he was present. And I think how many people are, are coming up and have come up in the past week and a half and have just had their own personal story with Kobe and mm-hmm. just what what I've read um, yeah. in many different articles about him reaching out to endless people, yeah. endless. calling them, and, the and a lot of it was just crazy, just how inquisitive he was so as a person, just, a wicked just wanting to know more and more, and I think mm-hmm. it's talking, I mean, just what we were talking about earlier, just mm-hmm. that, that growth mindset of just yeah. never being satisfied and wanting to learn from all of your experiences, 100%. and I think that's something that was really really amazing about him and something that everyone should take going forward mm-hmm. with what's happened, even as sad and tragic as, as what happened was. Yeah. When did you find out? We were, I was in bed and he tossed was on the couch. Um, our buddy texted us. Oh my God, Kobe. I knew I mean, my mind went there. Like it did. Yeah. Cause like, uh, Oh my God, Kobe, like mm-hmm. no, like in the, no, Oh my God, Kobe, no way. Because there's nothing positive he could have done in like mm-hmm. the time frame. I actually had like a way. I I thought something was wrong. Yeah, I knew something was wrong. Right. You know, I didn't know the scale of it. I didn't know necessarily like how like he did, were to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but one, I so I was kind of braced. Then I looked on Twitter and saw on TMZ, and then I called out to Toss, and I, we started talking, and and then we just news to texting of groups and news yeah. started circulating. And it's just like a kind of, you kind of have a moment of like, wow, you like you, that's like, yeah. a, you have to, you start to realize an impact somebody had on your life. And it's not a relative or not a friend or not someone that I know personally, or he knows me, but you know, it's a reason I'm a Celtics fan and it's re- I'm a Celtics fan. And there's a reason I don't hate the Lakers because I love Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. It's, you start seeing these videos and you start seeing that, wow, he was, how, again, like inquisitive intelligent diligent and and kind and outreaching he was you see the video of him watching the super bowl and the eagles won and he's not at this big party he's at home with his family with with light with the lights off and just like casually watching the game but you realize he is such a down-to-earth guy despite what we idolized him and i the the kobe i remember i remember really growing up and when we were young i mean kobe had a scandal growing up you know he had he he had a scandal when we were kids and how he's pivoted in that, oh. like, it's kind of like Robert Downey Jr. It's not as bad in a sense, but there was like he was like a, there was like a massive scandal with serious allegations against him, and he's one eighty to so fast, and he's but not proven. even PR spinning it. I mean, a lot of people him. PR right, but a lot of people PR spin those things, yeah. and they right. just try to act right. like they're this and that, and now they're like born again or whatever it is to make them look like the good guy. Yeah. All of that was like truthful yeah everything he did he put in just like he applied it to his basketball game into his entire life he put in the work to be better like yeah. we saw him do that and change he yeah, was I okay think he had to fail right and, and i think publicly. a lot of it had has to do with your time about like just being present like he owned every action that he had everything, everything. Yeah, and as crazy. good as he was as talented as he was from the onset as a basketball yeah. player 
that wasn't enough for him because no. he wanted yeah. to be the best. Yeah. We've seen all these videos of him, the one of him speaking at his high school when he's 17, and he's speaking and looking like he's 35. Like 35, giving a he TED looks, Talk. God, he looks Seriously. so mature as, a, as a 18, 17, 18 so year old. And you really, you're starting to route with all these videos, all these posts and all these interactions and stories from people that actually knew him, you know, mm-hmm. one-to-one. You're starting to put together a man, and you're everything's coming. He's fleshed out, mm-hmm. not just like you know. We view these athletes, and we see the highlights, and we see the brief snippets of interviews, and we have these ideas about them as people and we're from hearsay. I heard this guy's a good guy. That's a filtered. Yeah, it's a filtered. Filter filter and you just have a skeleton of a person realistically in your yeah. mind. And now we've seen this, unfortunately, in the worst way, human being flesh out uh, in in front of us. Yeah. And it's and it's a shame, and because you, I look at, I, I told Toss, I'm like, this guy. Be like, oh, this guy could coach a team. This guy could own a team. I looked at Kobe Bryant. I'm like, he could be a commissioner. Of the oh NBA. yeah, he would. That's what he would have been like, the commissioner of the NBA, because 100%. he's so involved globally, not just nationally on the scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really didn't have time to, because we found out I had a gig. Toss is home. We get back. We have to pack. Go to Miami the next mm-hmm. day. We're in Miami, and it's the Super Bowl. No one's really discussing it. Everyone's kind of like laying low and. Mm-hmm. Letting it pass, but you're in the city, so if you oh. can talk to like what that's about about being in LA well, during this time period because yeah. we weren't here. Well, I, I will just give you a little context. You know, I'm I was born a Laker fan, diehard, yeah. diehard Laker fan. Um, grew into it. My dad had season tickets for with his company. Um, my whole family, like the way that we gathered, was like rooting for the Lakers. That mm. was just what what we were about. Um, and I grew up in Orange County, so there was like a tie in there because he lives in Newport Beach. I lived in Newport Beach for a while. Um, and then, you know, now that I, I've lived in L.A. for a very long time now, but, um, you know, I always felt like Kobe was like the gel and the glue to our city. But like I didn't know like to what level he was until yeah. this tragedy happened. Um, the day that I found out um, I had just which is kind of like I'll be like really honest about it, but it's kind of um it's kind of eerie for me, but he had just left the church in Newport Beach that I frequent um, to receive communion before he got on the helicopter, and I was in the church. I normally go to that church or the one by my mom's in Urbelinda, but I was in church at that sort of same time that morning in my city, and after I came out of church, just like he got on the, on the uh, helicopter, that was when I found the news. It was just sort of this like surreal thing, real, yeah. and I was like, I mean, this is pretty sacred, but I was like praying for that focus, that like hyper focus, obsessive sort of mentality that I had in my career for many years that has, I've kind of like, I've kind of like made a little, not, I haven't like fallen off, but like, I just kind of, you know, we have our days and our times and we're just like taking a break no, from it and yeah, I need I mean, it back. It's like the new year, let's get it back. And it was like, I thought about what he inspired me um, with like for, for like an hour and then I come out and the person that's like on my mind I hear this news from my, I mean, my cousin, my friend, so many people hit me up. Yeah. And kind of funny, like I was in full blown, like the nail salon, like no lie, (laughs) getting my nails done. And then I get this and I'm, people are, they're like, are you okay? I was shaking. I started crying. I was, there was a nail salon by Trader Joe's in West Hollywood where I live. And um, I spent some time there. I couldn't get up. I didn't I know, know that it was true. Slot. You know it, yeah. yeah. And Which um, right by the twenty-four hour fitness. There you go. Yeah, right across the street. Yeah. Um. So I was in. There. <laughs> like he goes there. Loki. No, there's two. Well, there's we used two. To live there. We used to live there. I used to work area. out there. But there's two salons. Aren't there two salons right next to each other? There you go. You know everything. Which one's the, the one's Which one's the right big. one? That one's though. pretty big. That one's pretty big. It's yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Pretty big. It's right Sorry. 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 Lighten the mood a little bit. Yeah. I know it's so heavy, but. Um, there's, there's the light at the end of the tunnel, but I, I, I walked out and I went, I didn't even like, you know, when you're just so discombobulated, you don't even know what to do. 
Mm-hmm. And by the way, that, we know that that was the same day as the Grammys. And I had a Grammy event to go to that night. So I was, lit- I was getting ready for my day. And I walk out. I'm bawling. Um, I go over to, like, the parking lot. And you see these people in Trader Joe's, like, just talking to each other, like, chatting across the parking lot and asking someone in the car, "Did you? is this true? Did you hear? Um, and um, this one woman, oh, my God, she just was, like, losing it. She lo- – it was, like – it was a moment that I will never forget because I saw the true emotion and despair on people's faces and I was hurting just as bad. So it's almost like I felt like this was just a moment that like it was just a shattering moment, but also a moment that I felt kind of this unity where I started yeah, to kind of bringing feel that. people together too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the guys comes up to me. He's like, it's true. He's like, but, but the Grammys are tonight, but there's so much going on. Oh my it's like you can't even put your brain around what's about to happen because the Grammys, you know, you're going to have entire music world and entertainment world in the Staples Center in like three, four hours. And it's just so much to take in. But then we learn the news later. So I sat, by the way, I sat in my car for 45 minutes to an hour and wow. just bawled out. I wow. could not stop crying. I couldn't start my car. I couldn't move. Um, I didn't even know if I wanted to go to the event, but I had already made a promise and I wanted to, you know, be professional and still go. Um, but it was just, it was heart wrenching. And then the news trickles in that, that Gigi's gone too, yeah. that his daughter oh, was well that, taken. I mean, that was so much of it, right? Was that we didn't really yeah. know we, no one knew exactly what mm-hmm. had happened or how many people were involved. Another, if another if it was legit, mm-hmm. like family, I mean, yeah. TMZ, TMZ is, has become a credible news source, but for a long time, people didn't think TMZ was right. Yeah. So it, it was kind of like, they broke the story and people no no like LA station had reported it or confirmed it yet. It was yeah. just all, so a lot of it just seemed like hearsay. I mean, you, you go on the Twitter feed on that day and it was so yeah. many people were like, it's not true. It's not true. Well, and they're my, just in disbelief. Well, my cousin um, does some work with the Mamba sports Academy. So yeah. I've, I've been out there and I'm, you know, there's a tie in there as well. And she's like, we were supposed to pitch them this thing next week. And what the heck is this? What is happening? This is not true. It's almost like you just, you see the news. And cause I remember when Michael, we all remember when Michael Jackson died, like I wasn't okay for a few days, but this was like another scale. I remember yeah. where I was for that. And I was like 13. Yeah. I mean, it was really, really, really difficult, yeah. but no, this no, was no. like, and, another and on the level. heels of the, you know, Right after the night where LeBron passes him and scoring That's the, the night part before, that is crazy. Like it's so wild. It's so wild that yeah. all of that. Yeah. But I mean, happened. to answer your question directly, the city. So you know, I've been mourning like everyone else has. But yeah. I, I, you know, I've been doing a lot of work on my mental health, and I think that it's such an important topic. It's a topic I'm very passionate about, and um, I think there's a really healthy way to grieve, and I think it's about. Um, allowing yourself the time and the patience with yourself to just go through those emotions. And if you feel like staying home and, you know, not being with anyone, then yeah. you, then that's what you're going to do. If you want to watch the news 24 seven and, and, you know, and, and just delve deep into that world, then that's what you have to do. And I allowed myself to do whatever I had to do for the next like four or five days, you know, and there were other tragedies that came up in my life, unfortunately too that week. So it kind of hit me like threefold, yeah. but um, I had, I had uh, the desire right away to, um, like everyone was going on social media, right? They were all posting something that day and saying, you know, paying tribute, I'm so sad, I'm heartbroken, all of this stuff. And normally that's, you know, I'm, I'm usually on top of that. That's part of our world. Uh, I just had no words. I, I didn't even know what to say. Yeah. Had no words. And so I thought it was important for me to, um, you know, I forced myself to go out that night to the Grammy event. I ended up getting interviewed by Billboard, which is so weird because I worked with them before. And 
you know, I was able to put on the happy face. I was mm. able to kind of, you know, work through the room, but the energy, everyone was just like, the only thing we want to talk about was Kobe. Yeah. And it, it just was not the same. I did, and it felt like it wasn't right. You know, it's like nothing else mattered that day. Right. That was a day that nothing else mattered. If there, if there, I don't think if it was that night, I think they would have postponed it. I think they really would have. Absolutely. Yeah. If it it been, I mean, look what night, they did for yeah. the, the Tuesday night game with the, the Clippers, Clippers and the Lakers. Lakers. They postponed that. And people. Which I think was such a smart move. Super I'm smart. so glad. Yeah. That yeah, that I mean, I mean look how emotional the what Friday's the, game. Friday's game was so emotional in and of itself. Terrible. I mean, they, I mean, the interviews with Shaq was oh, de- was devastated. So that was the thing that I really was I was taken aback by that night. I well that day I went back home and you know growing up in LA I watched Fred Rogan growing up and. Yeah. Um, watching, you know, him talk. He had Jerry West oh, on the Jerry's, line. Oh, Jerry oh, West God, was broken. Crazy. I heard him on the phone that day, though, before he went on TNT. So I already knew he was already so broken. Yeah. And you could hear it in his voice. He's like, I felt like it's when my brother died in Korea. And um, and there was just this sort of, co- you could feel the sense of love and immense, like, respect people had for him um, just by just by the way people were reacting on yeah. air. And I know just as a journalist, you have to keep it, you know, you try mm-hmm. to keep it even but people were losing it. And uh, and that night, just seeing how much he impacted the entertainment world, because, you know, you have all these people in the music industry who are there to receive awards and accolades for their work and their craft, but they were all, they almost felt like they didn't want to talk about it. They wanted to talk about Kobe, or they felt bad being there. And part of me was like, what am I doing here? But again, I always think about what would Kobe want, and Kobe would want us to move on, maybe handle it, but move, move on and move yeah. forward. Um, so I forced myself, but I kind of feel like I should have stayed home that yeah. day. That was the day of. And then during the week, I said, you know what? I've, I've got to go down to Staples Center. Yeah. I need to go. And so I, I uh, have a little, like a, like a, she's like my little sister, but a friend down in Orange County who is also a diehard Laker fan. And so we met down there. I spent four and a half hours, you guys, at the Staples Center. Like, and you said you I was telling, in it. You were telling us before that I was on Thursday. That right? was Thursday. So and was it st- were people still? Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you go on my social media at Michelle Pre TV, I have the archive of the stories, and then I'm going to post pictures from there. I just haven't even done it yet. I posted my first photo and uh, tribute to him last night at 1 a.m. was my first one. I just I had nothing to say. I just didn't know. My emotions were in so many different places yeah. that I. I couldn't even articulate what I want, what I was feeling because I was still, every moment was different. To be honest, like everyone's saying, I felt like a family member died. And I think that your viewers and people in the sports world should understand it's okay that we are mourning a real loss. And I think that we should all band together to support each other because, you know, life is so much more important outside of sports, but it's, that's what, what we are a team in sports, yeah. right? So it's about really comforting each other. And it was so great to see all the guys um, be so emotional and vulnerable on the panel. Hundred um, percent, setting such that, a great example for great for the example. young kids that are watching them. You know, I think that's one of the things that, in my reflection, Kobe did such. He was such an amazing person at doing this specifically. Is that so many athletes after they they leave their sport, it's such a tough transition into their life after whatever their sport is, and it's yeah. not just basketball. I mean, it's football. We were down in Radio Row talking to a bunch of former athletes who are delving into business, delving into whatever it is that yeah. they're doing now that the it's sport is done. Too. And Sean Merriman said, I don't care who you are. Two years is hard. The first two years is hard. Yeah. Absolutely. And for this guy, and for this guy, I mean, LeBron touched on it, right? But for him to just delve so deep and a hundred percent be present 
as a father and as a husband, right? Immediately after he was done playing in the NBA, that's to me the most impressive thing and inspiring thing for someone who hopefully one day will have kids. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. He's, he set such, he set the bar so high and he set such a great example for so many people. So I hope, I hope everyone was paying attention because I wanna, it's really I wanna, amazing. I want to say, I want to share what I wrote on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, please. My, and I'm by no means am I a poet. But um, this was very poetic for me, and the, <laughs> I I was I spent hours and hours. I was gonna do a blog. I was gonna. There's a, there's deeper layers into why Kobe means so much to me. You know, he brought my dad, my father, joy year, the years years and months before he passed away, and so it was like the. So I felt like it was reliving death of my family. I yeah. Did, I, someone in my family, which was my father, and I think a lot of people are saying that it's it's sort of triggering loss that we've had in our life. So I think that's it's that's normal and it's okay. But I think that's a big reason why I've been, you know, needing to like grieve and take this time. But I got this inspiration last night at 1am and I'm like, okay, I'm going to write this. He put his family before everything. His second act was even better. She had so much greatness ahead of her. His love for her was palpable. They left this world together. God had a plan for them. The paradigm shifted because of this. Nothing will ever be the same. It is up to us to move in purpose. Live like there is no tomorrow. Love hard. Act on your dreams. Believe in yourself. Put in the work. Live in your truth. Take chances. No regrets. I love it. That's you are great. a poet. You I are. guess I am. No, I mean. Booze yeah. from the heart. You know? Yeah. Every yeah. part of that. Every part of I that. I think it was really cool what you brought up about how like reverent and not, I, you know, everyone has their own opinion about religion, right? But I, I, I was reading an article about him and the day after he he put up 60 plus in his last game he was in church at mm-hmm. like 8 a.m. the next morning mm-hmm. so impressive he just said his the, faith cha- like saved his marriage and I'm sh- all yeah. those yeah just the amount of discipline that the guy had and just yeah. the just the wherewithal to to be so pre- i mean i keep saying it but it's like he was so present he was just there he was just living in the moment all the time and it's well, so amazing well there's a line in there where i say his second act was going to be even better it will be was supposed to be better whatever i said about the second act his second act to me is the example he had put out as a father who was not just present, but went above and beyond for his daughters. And then also championing women's basketball and what he was doing to set the example, um, to have that credible voice in that, in that realm. I feel like he really put it on the map on another level. And obviously, you know, he was ingrained in it with, with Mamba Academy and with the kids and with, with um with Gigi but I think that that was just remarkable what he was able to do with women's sports on top of that I think he um you know his his passion was storytelling and he wanted to help children and uh I think what he had already set up for himself with Granity Studios and all the work he had done in the content space he had so much so much in store for us and I think that he just would have been you know this this figure that would have gone to another level he was already an Oscar winner right so it's like what more can you do? Well, Kobe could have gone further than anyone we could probably even see. Yeah, I mean, there was no limit to what the guy can no do. It's crazy. I mean, he, the Luca, Luca was talking about someone talking his native tongue behind him at a game, and he turned around shocked that anyone knew the language, and it was Kobe. Yeah, you know, which is just insanity because you're he speaks Italian, he speaks Spanish. He, yeah, I remember the first time he broke it out in a, in an interview when I was like 15. I'm watching this. I'm like, what the? My dad's like, oh yeah, this guy speaks like three languages. Yeah. he's a savant. Start, yeah, you start yeah. to like see, and now you're starting to you know visualize based on again like what other people are saying, who he really was. I mean, I don't think 
as far as the whole situation goes, I think the part they'll never get over regarding all this is like him and the other people and his daughter. And I feel like, I mean, I've said, I don't have kids, but I have sisters. Mm-hmm. And then before I could even like kind of process anything, I received like my dad hit me up and was like, Hey, this guy's more than a, an athlete, an athlete, more than like a super God. He's, he's, a, he's a, he's a dad. He's, he's a husband. I mean, this is, this is on another level, just an astronomical loss versus just what everyone views him as. And what, you know, you and your friends would talk about him in, mm-hmm. in that regard as him being a great scorer, whether he's a top 15 player of all time. Like that's like the basis we talk about this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone's like, Oh, you know, they, they praise him for being a dad, but now all the lights been shine on this. And it's just like, you can't, you can't get that back and you can't, she's yeah. a 13 year old girl. And it's just like, a, it's just, just devastating. Like a blow to the heart. Like at all times when you think, when I think about it, I think of him, I think of a guy, him like as a guy that I would never thought we would lose. No. Let alone lose. He was invincible. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to like, th- I mean, there, I, maybe I'm blanking out, but there's no one in my lifetime or like a, like a celebrity that I've had. I mean, I guess like Keith Ledger, but again, at the same time, he kind of popped off after he died. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really old enough for Kurt Cobain. Well, it's just like a lot of those guys, by nature of Kobe being a sports star, yeah, and for the biggest sports franchise in the United States, mm-hmm. I mean, he was just everywhere. He yeah. he had to be everywhere. He was, he was everywhere. Being, he was global. He was cool. Yeah, not not just global, but I think you have to think about the brotherhood of the NBA. He was a mentor to every person like like Trey Young was destroyed and I was like Trey Young is destroyed the guy's been in the league for a year and a half how's that oh wait a second then all this comes out yep and And then it's like Wade coming out about the individual attention he was giving to people not just in the league but just throughout his life he was someone who again like my experience it's just going back to that he was present with me Mm -hmm. he was probably present with the Starbucks barista and anyone in his life that he came across because he had that down-to-earth real realness about him that I think just really made him remarkable yeah and even for those who didn't get to spend time with him I mean I'm like I played basketball growing up and like I would go into the gym by myself and practice I don't know endless amounts of shots 500 plus shots every time I got in the gym and you know the one shot that I like I I did over not facing the basket over my left shoulder fade away like he used to do not but not behind the three-point line because it was always a two-pointer and I did it over and over and over again and I wasn't even a, like I wasn't even a Laker fan. No, no. But he was just like the legacy of even though people talk about him as being a top ten basketball player of all time, so so were so many other basketball players. But I like for whatever reason he's just left a long-standing impact like so many others have not before him. Like he's it's one of the so, like few guys. I think part of it is that like media, the media surgence yeah. of the two thousands sure. is like when he was on his rise as a player too, yeah. and that kind of coincided. And so it's not just people in our it's it, so many generations watched him well, and appreciated him say. It, you know he transcended sport but also he was generational because yeah. and I will kind of transition this into my experience at Staples Center yeah. because I went there thinking it'll there'll be a lot of people there but mainly Laker fans or you know people that you would expect there were fans that were there that had flown in from mm. out of the country there were people from all types of races genders identities there it was just like he galvanized the city um brought us all together and everybody felt like we were all it we were all the same there was no it was that there was no division it just felt like we were all there for the same yeah the same the same heartache but at the same time we um 
we were very uh, open and honest. And I, I have never seen so many grown men cry and little kids. Now, that's the thing that really touched me was I spent the first like three hours, first hour and a half, I would say I was there. I went and I uh, I I read a lot of the messages that were written on the ground and I and I decided that I wanted to really soak in the energy. Mm -hmm. I read some of the cards. I took some video of it later, but some of the cards these kids were writing Kobe and the messages that they sent on how much he meant to them. And these are kids that are like six years, seven years, 10 years old, like super, super young. Right. And uh, to know that a player at the age of Kobe, you know, 41 year old player had an impact like that on these young kids, which you would think it'd be like the LeBron era right with those kids right. no it was Kobe right. because of the Mamba mentality because of what he stood for outside of basketball I think that's why he he was so global why people respected him outside of the sport with that said the 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 amount of um, of flowers and paintings and artists that were there just paying their respects I've never in my lifetime seen anything like this in my city and I'm so glad I went because it felt so comforting to be there uh somebody handed me a basketball and a pen like hey do you want to sign it and I didn't bring anything I thought I would well I didn't bring anything that I was going to uh leave behind because I just really wanted to soak it in I thought I was going to go back like two days two days later to film something but they took everything away um so I I just wanted to soak it in and mourn and I'm just so glad I went so glad I went yeah it's crazy I mean he there's, there's only as far as first act goes, you know, I mean, what he did in the second act is, is even in a short time, is pretty much unparalleled what he's to anybody, to his commitment to the game and his involvement as a person and, you know, his global spread of the game, which is something, you know, obviously baseball has been global, um, mm -hmm. at least in, mostly in South America for the most part. It's been huge there. NFL's trying, you know, soccer's trying to, uh, interestingly enough, move over to here, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. But basketball's been, you know, it's metastasized the fastest. Absolutely. Well, and you have to remember too that. that you you these guys are building brands outside of the game, and yeah. that's really a testament to uh, the hard work that's put on by by the league, also to try to help build that. Because I do you do talk to the NBPA and people in that world, uh, and that's that's what's happening. You know, they are they're all starting production companies, and yeah. Kobe has had one, and then you've got LeBron and Uninterrupted and Steph Curry and all these players that are wanting to build outside businesses, and of course you have people like. Uh, Russell Wilson, who has his production company with Sierra, there are a lot of other uh, players that are into that into that entertainment world or wanting to get into it. But I think that there's something to be said about basketball players that they put themselves out there, especially when it comes to tweets and memes and and sharing opinions uh, out there. I feel like the fans really gravitate to that sport. Absolutely. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. there's only I mean, he's one of like two guys I could think of off the top of my head, and I'm um, him and Jeter. As far as players yes. go in their in their thing in their first act as a player, mm -hmm. like if, you, if I look at my teams, best Celtic ever is Larry Bird. There's really no question. Best Patriot ever is is Tom Brady. Best Red Sox ever is Ted Williams. You can make a case for David Ortiz, but it's really mm -hmm. Ted Williams. I mean, it's the best player in the best team on their on their team. It's across the board. Kobe and no offense to his, his skill level, I mean, there's just been a multitude of great players on the Lakers. Magic being probably the best mm -hmm. as far as skill set goes, followed by Shaq, followed by Kareem. Kareem. Um, and then and then Jeter is not even again like be a babe, Garrick, DiMaggio, Mantle. I mean, Jeter's not Barra, Mo. Jeter's maybe not even top five or six or seven. Yeah. But he's the best Yankee ever. Oh yeah. Kobe's the best Global. Laker ever because of what they did for a city, a team, and an organization, and it's just transcends the literal. You know, 48 minutes people spend running between the lines and shooting the hoops. Absolutely. And, and 
passing the ball. I mean, he, it's more than that. It's what he's done outside. He has set the example of being more than an athlete throughout his career. I think that's what we're – that's the narrative right now, and yeah. everyone's trying to s- talk about it. But he was, by example, more than an athlete in setting examples for not just Mamba mentality or going above and beyond in, in having the iron will to win, but mm-hmm. doing everything that it takes to be the best you can be. Right. That's the part of him that I think will live on in people's minds and I think, like I said in this post, there's a paradigm shift. What I feel is that people are receiving this on another level to apply to themselves. And I think maybe that's a silver lining we can find within this tragedy is that now we can apply that to our own lives. And I think it is it is exposed that mindset to people who didn't maybe know about Kobe or didn't have that knowledge of that side of who he was. And I think it's so important now that we move forward and understand that we don't know when we're going to go. And yeah. so we have to go out and do the things we say we want to do and stop just talking about it. Just go yeah. out and do it. Go yeah. act. Just a little you know? more. There's more. A little than a, more. There's more. You can't. I mean, it's it's unfortunate that we've been reminded with such a heavy hand that there's you can't measure life in a, a percent. You can't be like, I'm going to give 100% Mm-mm. because then there hollows out the, the option for giving less. You know, it's just hard. Just go hard and give it all you have, regardless mm-hmm. of a number or numerical value. Mm-hmm. It's and now, sadly, it's the case and the reason why we have to do this. But you just see when you lose somebody that iconic as this in such a tragic way, you laugh a little bit harder when you have to laugh. You mm-hmm. you hug a little bit longer. You, you you talk a little bit longer. You, you know, you work a little harder. You ride your bike harder. You run harder. You, you when you work out, you swim harder. You wake up earlier. You wake up a little bit earlier. You you send two more emails out you, you make one more uh connection one more instagram post you text one more person than you normally would have texted and then you realize oh my god like oh technology is so terrible you flip it on its head you're like i could speak to anybody yeah. i want at any time as long as they're responsive to me yeah. uh in that regard and, and, you, and you and you're thankful for that and you're like oh my god the world's gonna end oh my god where the politics is literally in shambles and on the floor but then you look at this and how people could come together so quickly and so fast and you're like okay mm-hmm. If this is what it unfortunately takes, there's, I mean, it rem- it honestly, like being a New Yorker, and I'm young, I'm too young, and it's, and the, 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 obviously, it's not the same kind of tragedy. It's two different tragedies, two different sides of it. Mm-hmm. But the way people came together, 9 11, from what I remember, and mm-hmm. from what I, at least I've seen as I've gotten older. This like reminds when me I've, of that. When I got older, and I was like, we got older and still, like, you know, 15 years later, how serious people took that day and how, like, everyone in baseball, like, you you know, how that came, everyone came together. I mean, the, one of my favorite moments, I'm not even a Mets fan, is Piazza's home run. And I was, like, t- five or six, and I'll always rewatch that every day. And it's just one of the most magical moments. And the way people, the way sports can bring people together, where people, more yeah. importantly, can bring people together. Like, sports is just a, 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 like a vacuum or, or, or like, a, like a vessel for us to, like, jump aboard. Absolutely. As this the reason we're brought together is because of one human being and what he stood for and who else was aboard that unfortunately aboard the helicopter mm-hmm. and what they stood for and what they were mm-hmm. going to do they were just going to play to basketball game, to do what they love yeah and it's you know it's it just unfortunately hits home and drives home the point that you have to you just have to slow it down mm-hmm. and and really enjoy it and like kind of what we were talking about and I, I i can't even remember if we hit this on the show or before the show or at some point we we're talking about just you know, growing something and it's not about the cherishing the result or anything again. No. Circling back to it, it's about like enjoying the process. And the journey that it um, takes to get there. I think that's yeah. where I'm at now in my life too. Yeah, and yeah. I think that this came to me 
this tragedy came in at a time in my life where I'm really, really honing in on what the next act is for me and like the new transition because mm-hmm. we all transition at certain times. I've been in the business for many years. I worked at ESPN, Yahoo, like you said, all these different outlets. But I also know that there is something to be said about not being defined by your identity and work as well. And I think that's something that I remember seeing an interview. I don't know if it was on Real Sports, but Kobe was like, I am when I take, you know, when I step off the court, you know, I'm, I'm a human being, I'm a different person. I'm, that's not all that I am. I'm so much more than that. And he was saying that again, a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's really important, uh, important, important message for people to gather for their life is that there's so much more, um, there's so much more to give in your life aside from just a career. I think career is everything too. I get it. But I think the time you spend with the people that care about you that you love your family your friends and people that you could take time to to get to know i think those are the the connections are that's what really drives us forward it's really just about that i can't tell you how many friends were like drive home safe or people that never write me can we get together it just flooded in after this tragedy but i think is a good thing you know you have to find what's what's the what's the silver lining how can we grow and learn from this and that's really what i you know i really believe we should focus on is right. how can we be better how can he help us move forward through it, the example that did come at such a weird time for us too because we're going down to radio row yeah and i think it was that little in the back of my mind i'm sure it was in the back of uh, toss's mind too in the back of your mind of you know give it all we were already going down to like work as hard as we possibly could but then it was even raising that bar yeah you know of like and it was the first time we both finished a trip or an or excursion regarding the show that one of us wasn't like we could have, you know, worked harder. We could have, you know, we mm-hmm. could have done, and you, you're like, you're always like, okay, we could have done this better. We could have, yeah. we learned from this and next year we'll do this. Yeah, nobody's like, perfect. Nobody's no. perfect. And we're both kind of in the same mentality of, you know, when people ask me how that experience was, it looks so cool. I'm always like, it was a good learning experience. That's like my first initial answer. And oh, and naturally, not just because I'm trying to like, brushed to the side because that's what it was it just just was a learning experience and then the but then it was also one of the first times where I was like oh I actually felt satisfied in my work and it was because I think in the back of my mind it just pushed me from you know pushed me off the edge of how far I was willing to go to get 30 interviews instead of 25 or, or, Mm -hmm. or 30 interviews instead of 29 or like hit that mark or hit that or go push further, ask questions, and and not be afraid to ask anybody anything, mm-hmm. which is you know in 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 a, in a respectful manner, of Absolutely. course, yeah. But like, you I know, get that a hundred percent. But then I think at the on the same page, it's just like, and then you get in bed at the end of the day, and you're like, I'm tired. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And yeah, then you and then you hit the pillow with n- with no anxious thought about what you did the day before, mm-hmm. and you wake up the next day, and you're like, okay, let's do it again. You know, and that's that's kind mindset. of like it's the mindset, right? That he's leaving behind. That's his legacy, and mm-hmm. it applies in every facet of life, that's which is point. which is so cool. But I thought that there was one little moment that I just wanted to share with you. When we first got to Miami on Monday night, it was super super late. It was like nine forty-five, and we were just looking to go get food because neither of us neither of us had eaten dinner. And we went yeah, to this like Mediterranean. We forget that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We went to this Mediterranean yeah. place. Like I don't know, like whatever two two hotels over something like that and we w- yeah. walk in there we're like we're eating our yitos and we're like whatever we're in our fries and like we can see like the miami street life in front of us and these two guys sit down at a table right next to us and they're watching the espn footage yeah. the live footage of kobe's last game and it's like Ooh. they're watching it together and we kind of just like 
scoot a little bit closer to their table. And now all of a sudden all four of us are watching. Yeah. And then like, we're not even watching because we're talking about like this You're one connecting. moment of the game. And we're, yeah, it we're was talking about where we were when we watched that. We watched the game live. Cause it's right. like, again, like you remember random where you strangers are. and it's yep. like, we That's would never have ta- so we would never have talked to to those guys. Well, I mean, I mean we're pretty approachable guys. We yeah. like going up to people yeah. and talking to them. But point being, we would never have had that deep and profound of a conversation no. with them if it had not been mm-hmm. for that connective tissue of yeah. Kobe and and what they were watching on their. You their really phone. did bring people together. Yeah, it's pretty Ex- amazing. Exact seat, exact moment. I know where I was for certain things. Yeah. Cubs win the World Series. I know where I'm sitting. I know what's going on. I know who's in the room. Kobe Bryant's last game. And this, again, I'm not a Cubs or nor am I an Indians fan. I love the game. Don't get me wrong. I love mm-hmm. all the players. And I love history. But I know where I am for something like that. Kobe, I'm not a Jazz fan, even though we do have a Donovan Mitchell <laughs> flag in the room. It was I, a gift. Yeah. <laughs> I just look cool online. And I love Spida. And the, um, I'm not a Lakers fan, of course. Um, but I know where I am. And we're in Austin, Texas at a bar called Tap 24. That Correct me if I'm wrong. Chet, our guy who works with us is running over the, the, the cameras. I don't know if tap 24 is there anymore on 24th. He's going to look it up. I don't if he has think, to look it up. I don't think it's there. I don't anymore. think it is there. Cause he would know. I and mean, we were talking about bars earlier in the day, giving him place to go in Los Angeles, but we're in Austin, Texas, right? Yeah. You're in Austin, Texas. And there are kids that go to the school that are from it's done. Chad gives us this single. It's done. Tap 24 is done. Not in existence anymore. Oh. The are, there are kids in our school that, go, that are from Los Angeles. So obviously you have Kobe fans and Laker fans. And there's obviously the Lakers kind of like, let's say the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Niners, or the Yankees are a global or national franchise that kind of, you don't have to be from Los Angeles to root for them in a situation, uh, in a sense. The, but we are all sitting there in the middle of Texas. Very few people, if any, are Lakers fans at the bar. And we, we go, me and my buddy go to watch the game at the bar Wednesday night, I think. We're sitting there watching the game. Not many people are there in the first quarter. Second quarter, a couple more people arrive. Third quarter, there's like dollar beers at the bar, so it's pretty packed. Mm-hmm. People are there to drink, but next thing you know, the big screen and every other screen that was showing other games, showing the one game. One game's on TV, and that's it. And the people that are talking over the game, that are hanging out watching beers, all of a sudden halfway through the third quarter, and they're losing the Lakers, are watching the game. By the fourth quarter rolls around, everyone's like, all right, this is kind of gets, even if you're not a basketball fan or a sports fan in general, everyone kind of gets, you know, the aura of what's about to happen. And you're watching, you know, a legend's last game, the last time he'll touch the court. And it, it, we, I've never, other than, again, like Jeter's last game, I've never experienced this, like, for a team that I wasn't rooting for. Right. And we're watching this. And all of a sudden, he starts going off. He starts putting the team on his back. He starts going for the victory and giving that storybook ending um, that – for some reason, we I never thought it was going to happen in the third quarter. And by the end of the fourth quarter, I was, I was shocked that I was surprised. Um, and he starts going doing his thing and making shot after shot, ridiculous play after ridiculous play. And yeah. everyone <laughs> everyone at that bar in the middle of Texas is chanting his name. Wow. Like literally at the top of their lungs, chanting it. We're fine. Me and my friend are laughing at how like, ridiculous this is. No one likes this team. But everyone <laughs> loves this guy and everyone yeah, loves this him. history. And the whole bar... As loud as I almost have ever heard a bar chant and cheer is chanting Kobe, Kobe, over and over and over yeah. again. And it's a moment I'll never forget as long as I live. Um, That's where a fantastic I would, moment. It was a yeah. perfect example of what he exemplified, yeah. which was it's crazy. Again, he tra- it didn't you didn't have to be a Laker fan to love him. You really didn't. It's it was remarkable. about what he did outside, what he represented. Don't even and have how to be a lived. basketball fan no. to have loved him. No, no, or a sports fan. No, no. 
you, you probably are because if you watched him, you realized whether or not you knew the game or not that it was magical what you were watching. Just he had a bravado about him though. Yeah. he was able to go out and he was he the had swagger. A he had this like swagger. swagger. Yeah, so articulate. Always had a piece of wisdom to share with people, which I loved about him. I think that was one thing that I always remembered about him was the the pieces of wisdom that he was able to deliver mm-hmm. on a, an instant yeah. he lived ex- he lived through a, a tremendous experience of being not just the, one of the greatest basketball players of all time but also having to raise four children he got married so young you have to think about that too which i i'm glad he did because now you think about the time he was married and was able to develop into a great father yeah again all the adversity he had faced if you think back to all the sh- I, quote unquote selfish days where people, you know, it was a contentious relationship with him and Shaq and all of that. Right. He's evolved. Yeah. Right. At some point he realizes in the second act, it's time for me to share these stories and use these experiences to help gain, uh, you know, gain some traction when it comes to um, content and yeah. people that, yeah. that want to listen to what he has to say. And I think it's just, it, it came at just the worst time. I hate to say it, but yeah, he really had so much more to say. Yeah. Wow. Um, and, but you know, this is life, it's right? It's crazy. It's just crazy who he was. I mean, again, I'll, I'll the video of all the videos and content I've seen, and there's been such a great outpour. The video of him watching his, t- his team, a team like you're like, wait, this guy's going that crazy for another team. Like yeah. it's, it's Kobe Bryant. I you love know? that video it's, with it's, his kid and his the kid in his arm. Yeah. And it's like, Oh my God, this is, this is this is me for the Patriots. Like it's like I'm like this is you forget He's you're watching fan. Kobe Bryant for a hot second, yeah. And then him as a high schooler. I mean, it's just two of the most. It's two of the most comp the comp, like videos that in, in, you know gross him and um invigorate him in a sense that that's what he encompassed in those two videos as a yeah. person. I just think we've all shifted into a new in a new place now. I think everyone's really been affected by it. D- doesn't matter who you talk to. Like we were saying, it just transcends all genders and age groups and all of that i think this is just a tragedy we have to really embrace and try to live our life in a new way it's yeah, um, yeah it kinda, that's what kobe would want and that's kinda, what he would want that's what yeah, i was thinking about send everybody ricocheting though in a sense like yeah. it hit you to knock you over to the side but then in the same way when it hit you it shot you forward it did it's a boom boom like a pinball like you were thrown off at a loop and just knocked you forward mm-hmm. um, i really did love though the, the part where people were being vulnerable on air that you would Charles Barkley, people like that. You would never think these men would go up there and show that emotion. And I think that just, again, sparked a conversation about how important it is for us to just be honest and real about who we are and what we do and just continue to just be open about our our emotions. I think that's just going to heal people yeah. in general. 100%. And communication is just going to, it'll change yeah. the world in, at the and end of the day. And for going forward, I think that, you know, that's a completely generation, and specifically with, with men in this regard, because... For athletes, for male athletes, there has been this, what you're talking about, like this being the stigma that you you can't show your emotion Mm -hmm. because that's weak and because being vulnerable is not what you should be doing as a male athlete. And I think it's totally like just Mm -hmm. ripping down the doors um, right off the hinges. Right. And I think that it's been amazing what Kobe has done in that regard. Um, and, And like you were saying too, what he did, I mean, I have no doubt that Gigi would have been like just the most competitive basketball player and been in the WNBA and pushed on the sideline. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just have no doubt because yeah, she was going to, she was going to be a bright star, but it is, you know, it's, it's probably going, yeah, that's the one that really cuts to the core. It's, she was so young. Yeah. Um, so young and she, there was so much of Kobe in her and the love that he shared with her was, 
the example of what right what a and she father really and daughter and a, or a father and son should have i think that's absolutely that's one thing i also wanted to touch on is i think about the the fathers that maybe there's a deadbeat dad out there too that doesn't care about seeing their kids and they saw this tragedy happen right in front of them and changed the way that they yeah i hope that so they engage I hope with, so. Their, with their children i, I think that so. or they're good dads out there that become even like did we go? Like I have a person that I was like, I looked at. I was like, damn. Like D Wade is like to me it was Kobe second coming. Like Kobe Junior was Dwayne Wade. Mm-hmm. You know the way he played, the way he carried the city, what he represented, his family, what he stood for, yeah. and his whole kind of arc mm-hmm. in a sense. Now he's on TV, and now he's being interviewed, and now he's getting right. involved in other ways. And I think a guy like that who's already a superhuman great guy would beloved by everybody basketball fans alike even when the heat were villainized mm-hmm. it was lebron and bosh not even d wade and kobe and kobe was the biggest villain in the nba oh no. yeah <laughs> yeah it's crazy he loved being the villain and he, he loved it and he relished <laughs> it i mean it's for yeah. him it's but d wade I, was, I looked at that i'm like you know it's terrible and he of course played on the olympic team with him and obviously yeah. definitely had a good friendship that we'll never understand yeah i agree though i think he'll, he'll definitely kind of pick up the torch go from yeah. go from top of the mountain to the, to the sky's the limit i think yeah. he'll pick up the torch and i think i don't know if he's realized that or will realize that or that if that's even on his mind i doubt it is but i think you know it's kind of now he'll kind of take that passage and you know yeah. it just makes it make it unfortunately made everyone a bit better well, it broke him down. It broke you mm-hmm. down, but it built you up a bit it better. It built you up a bit sure. better. Yeah. And, and and lastly, I think that the Gigi was going to carry the torch, but you never know how these other girls are going to, you know, move forward with yeah. their lives and they grow up there. Maybe there'll be another Gigi that comes out a little Bianca. You know, we don't know. But what we do know is like we have to really just pay our respects to the people that have all lost their lives in this Absolutely. tragedy and and just pray for them and hope that we all get better from it. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've seen death firsthand. I've seen other people lose people. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I mean, there's nothing you can say that writes anything. It just isn't, you know, it's just, nope. just, it's just a brutal situation. But we do our best, though. Yeah, we yeah. do. I feel like we could, we could keep talking about this for... But it for might forever. just be too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It would be. It would um, be. But I really... We'll we'll share. I think you reading that poem because I think it's really really special. Yeah. Um, or would you be happy to reshare the poem itself if, if yeah. you would allow? Can if you I? would let us, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. that'd be great. Yeah, Oscars, Grammys, um, Billboard Music Awards, all the red carpets. I've covered it. You've done it all. Yeah, all because of Kobe. I don't know. It was crazy. Uh, but that was really like out outside the just working on sports stuff. That's really the main stuff I've done in the entertainment world. I worked at E for a while. And then at ESPN, I worked on the Guinness suite it was a branded segment on sports center. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I sat down with the athletes and celebs in, in our studio. And you were on get up, correct? No, no, no I was on sports station. Sports station. That's yeah. Right. I filled Not in for a, Beetle. I was yeah, like a permanent yeah. fill in for her or semi-permanent. Uh, it was me and Melanie Collins that were filling in at the time. Uh, man, that was the, Best. Get with up, uh, get up, get up not even ESPN. Yeah, it is. It's yeah, it is. It is. Morning show. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can tell with you. Max and who else was I, was Max. I saw Max and Marcellus. I was like, and yeah, Marcellus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I work with Max and Marcellus. Love them. Had the best time working on that show. I really wish it was still on air. Yeah, I do. It was so much fun. We were live. Uh, the best part about it was not just being in LA because there were Laker fans in the audience, right. but just being able to have that energy around you. 
Uh, and then we were in the midst of the finals and, you know, so we were talking about my sport. God, such a so fun it was show. perfect. Yeah. Kellerman's uh, like one of my all time, not even for what he does in air, just kind of how he grew. Oh yeah. From just from like bo- people like forget that he grew from boxing and just like, just like put himself out there and was just like shooting, yeah. shooting and shooting and, and reporting and recording and like all of this. And he, I learned so much he's by such a working up, he's with such a him. ground up guy. Yeah. Which is, I love him. Yeah. yeah. I love him. I, him and Marcel's had the best chemistry. Uh, and I think it was just Man, too bad fun. that they, yeah, it, we move on in life, but I, I will never forget that experience. And I, I, that was when I realized that I wanted to continue mm-hmm. working in that, in the live environment. I had already had the live experience on the red carpets and all of that, but going on a live talk show and being able to moderate mm-hmm. two of the brightest one, one, one is just like the biggest jokester, by the way. So <laughs> I don't know if you remember the show, but Marcellus would open up the joke book and just blast out all these corny jokes and the chemistry he had with Max is they spent so much time together working right. working on the radio show as well. Um, it was it was a perfect chemistry, and they loved music and hip hop, which I do as well. So it was all three of us really had just a like good the chemistry. perfect marriage. Yeah. yeah, it really made sense uh, to be a fill in for Beatles. You need to be able to connect on other things because yeah. if you're, you know what, sometimes like it can't just be like a rattle off of like. I mean, we learned. I mean, we learned a lot from the guys we were at Radio Row with and recording with for the oh, first yeah. time. Like we were like we sat down and we would interview. We'd have a guest. Mm-hmm. So let's say we had like let's say we had like Merriman or we had like you know uh, Oliver Luck, the XFL commissioner. We the guy these guys just sit down. We're Chael Sonnen, and it's us two who have recorded uh, days to get days a total of days at a time together, which is just ridiculous. You know, yeah. it's, it's so <laughs> many hours, so much in depth, and so much. And for better or for worse, you know when the other person's going to talk, you know what they're going to say, and you know what yeah. their opinion's going to be, and you know that they can do that. But then you have to sit down and build a rapport. You're learning from people, and it's great. I mean, that was like also, if I may touch back on Radio Route, that was one of my favorite experiences too. Mm-hmm. Just sitting and sharing a mic with, I mean, we shared a mic with another guy in the network, and I was like, dude, thank you. Like, obviously, it was great hanging out with you and kicking it with you and just bullshitting in Miami, but it was so good to learn from you and building a chemistry and like, because building chemistry with other co hosts yeah. is so much fun. It's so much fun, and I think. This isn't this is an experience in itself. Yeah, you, we just met. Yeah, but you build it over time, and I think it's important to put yourself in situations that are going to stretch you like that and being engaging like that. So I think and that's you learn why from people. Yeah. Oh, I learned so much from Max and Marcellus on that show, but also working at ESPN in general. Just how to, I I can tell you that was my my favorite experience in my professional career, and I, so I'm in a space now where I'm. I'm looking at the new opportunities that are out there mm-hmm. for on-air talent jobs and look like it's okay to take some time away and develop your skill set and see what you want to pivot into and where you want to move and what speaks to you. But I think the one thing I took away the most from Sports Nation was that I realized that I was stepping into some really big shoes having to fill in for someone like Beetle, who yeah. was really like the personality that everybody knew was going to be on air. And there are a lot of fans that do not like people that fill in for their favorites. Um, and there's also people that really, you know, they hated her as well. It's just that's the, that's the that's the world of women in sports. It's just that's the way it is. And all people that work on air, um, you're going to have haters. You're going to have people that love you. And it really doesn't matter. You just have to be yourself. That's one thing that I learned from. And I, and I actually, uh, I took the experience from working on the red carpets at the Oscars that you have to be yourself no matter. Because I'm sitting here interviewing A-list actors like Sally Field and Ben Affleck and people of that stature um, one day and then the next day I'm interviewing you know a hip-hop star that's like coming up (laughs) yeah you know like Lil Nas X or someone like that and you've got to be able to adjust that's something I learned over the years to whatever they 
whatever they um, their demeanor and whatever they want to talk to you about. And I think for me on Sports Nation, the biggest takeaway from that was go in there, be yourself. Do not try to be Beatle. Just be you and do what you love. And it, honestly, my Carlton will tell you the first show I walked away going, what just happened? How did I do that? You know, but you have to go out and try 100%. because I knew in my heart that I could go live, but I didn't, I didn't know how I got there. And once <laughs> I did it, the producers were like, can you come back actually? We're great. Yeah. And then Max, you know, told somebody behind the scenes, bring her back. So that was, Amazing. that was enough for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Amazing. So hopefully they'll bring something like that back and I'll be the host. <laughs> <laughs> you're literally like, <laughs> bro, now we're hoping for it. You're, <laughs> the, you're the ultimate utility woman. Yeah. You've yeah. done it all. There's nothing you can't do. I mean, from a I, hosting stand. I mean, I'm, I'm being completely tough. honest. No, it's, I mean, I remember. I know we could speak from experience. Like, there's it's to, not to like, easy pivoting from like actor <sighs> to producer. We I mean we, we we would interview. We interviewed one guy who was a Green Beret, then a guy who was in the NFL, and then a guy who was you know directing movies, and they all were into different things and knew different things about sports. And we were like, we're, we're not at all even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were like, uh, and then you kind of just got to sit back, relax, trust that there's more to you. Mm-hmm than what you think is expected of you. And I will tell you though, throughout the career, I just went wherever, wherever, whatever was showing up for me, I said yes to it. Yeah. Uh, I hustled my way around, but I also knew when something came to me that it was meant to be in my life. ESPN came to me, Billboard came to me, EP emailed me on my website because they saw me on E. You just have to- It's how the Believe Network came to us. Yeah. It comes to you, and you have to know it's meant to be, and you got to take a shot. It was so weird. I mean, it'll always be the weirdest thing how we found it. Um, and it's really? Like, yeah, oh yeah, I was at a Christmas dinner, and uh, this woman who produces a podcast, she was producing like a major podcast, like a, like I like not Pod Save America, but something in that vein, like a one that tours and travels and has like fans, like mult, like like legitimate diehard, like you know, like we're fans of. The Lakers, the Celtics—they're fans of that. Mm-hmm. Like the fans that are—that's their their number one interest is that show. Um, and she's—I'm trying to pick her brain. She wants nothing of it because for all she, knows, <laughs> I'm a podcast out of my bedroom, you know. And she's like, which is fine. But like, you know, some people are like that, some people aren't. And she kind of goes, "Oh, you should just do this." They're looking for people. There you go. And then we look where you are now. And we emailed them a month and a half later. And kind of went back and forth and kind of just worked and then you, and it just comes from saying yes taking a shot and letting things fall into your lap and then deciding what to do with them mm-hmm. you know it's like if everyone gave you your two cents you know it sucks because there's so many voices in your head but that's also what if six billion people give you two cents mm-hmm. but at some point <laughs> along that journey it's a lot of money not a mathematician not a mathematician but it's a shit ton of money and at that point what, what do you do with it you know, but there's a thing about <laughs> reverse engineering that I believe in where you have to have that end goal and know what you want at the very end. And also we go through different stages of our lives, age wise, what we care about, everything moves around. So I'm not the same person I was when I was at Young Hollywood. However, I still know that I could turn that on. But is that where I want to be today? No, I'm a different person now. My experiences have also uh, allowed me to be able to go way more in depth with people. And now I'm working more on docuseries and in-depth, you know, the six E60 style type of shows. And that's really where I'm going in my yeah. world. But can I go still work red carpet? I just did the Austin Music Festival, interviewed the baby, and, inter- you know, 
doing the work that I know I can do with my eyes closed because I've done it for so many years. But is it what I want? You know, it's a combination of what do you want? What's the end goal? And how do you reverse engineer it and actually make sure that you're taking the steps and you're meeting the right people to get to what that end goal is, which we all know um, at some point. But it changes. That's the thing. Um, there, there are even times when you don't want to do something because you're like, oh, I don't want to do it because it's not paying me right or it's not really what I know. Well, go learn, you know, go learn a little bit more about that space or that sport or whatnot. I got a job oh, offer yeah. at the golf network. It was like the back nine network. And I went there. I explored it. I got the job. I got three offers. They wanted to fly me there, all this stuff. I didn't. I like golf. I could do it. But was I going to move to Hartford, Connecticut for golf? At the time, no, I was working on Sports Nation. I was, but now I think back in retrospect, that would have definitely allowed me to move into a new space that yeah. maybe I could be, you know, we doing Tiger Woods tomorrow. Had, so you never know. Would have, you would have learned a bunch about golf. You would have learned <laughs> a, a, a lot, a we whole had, lot about golf. We had Mark Rogadino on our show, and he was he he is a soccer guy, and he covers he's covered every kind of soccer, and he's with. Uh, uh, LAFC, he's been with LA Galaxy, and he had to do the Anaheim Ducks for a year and a half, more even maybe, and yeah. he knew, he's like, I knew jack shit about hockey. I didn't know Squatini about hockey, and he just rolled with it. I didn't know anything about, there's a soundboard under the table. Uh, kudos to our uh, intern <laughs> Chet again for fixing the mess that was our soundboard at the top, but we, there's a soundboard under the table right now, and I'm looking at it, like a, a year and a half ago, I literally knew nothing about sound. I could, I was, it was like, I was like turning on a computer, and that was like pretty much wow. the extent of my technology. And now I'm like twiddling with this, that, and that, playing around with it. I, as we can go, I didn't need to. Obviously, now I can one. hire you for the podcast. That I know, but that's yeah. but that's what we do. Well, I was about that's, to say no. you have to start one. Like, yeah, you have to. yeah, that's what we. But that's what we do now. I mean, yeah. we become pseudo and become experts. I guess you know you do something enough times. I be you know and like on Mamba mentality. Kobe yeah. wanted to learn. Going back to Kobe, yeah. he wanted to learn everything about whatever it is that he wanted to uh, that he wanted to soak in for his knowledge and yeah. what he cared about and i also don't want to i don't want to be yeah you, you don't want to be on anyone else's time no, no. i mean you know you don't want to questions go to coffee do whatever you can yeah figure it out on your own i mean we've that's what we've done and it's kind of like it used to be like, like probably like a month five months ago we couldn't be like oh if they were like oh josh knows how to fix this sound thing i'd be like uh yeah yeah, yeah i got it they'd be like, fuck how am i gonna do this <laughs> or like out but now toss is like oh yeah right literally and that's a good such a whole i'm out but toss is like oh josh can fix this with the sound yeah and now I'm, i actually can i could actually help people on the thing like yeah you don't need to bother somebody else because you can go to me he's got a million other one things to do because he's overarching on the sound and you can fix yeah. that i mean it's knowing and growing and then learning is just like the again the mama mentality but again i had never been on a live talk show like that i was thrown into it and the yeah. producer's like you could do it they want i go i don't know that much about what's happening right now in whatever the topics were in that in that particular um time period because yeah. i wasn't on a daily show it was more so interviewing people uh for sports center which was fine because that that was what i was comfortable with but that was a new experience that was gonna help me grow and i had to say yes to it and I was nervous as hell, but then I just turned it on because I know as a dancer too, remember mm -hmm. I was a performer but earlier in the show, that was something I learned was just when you are on stage, oh, yeah. you're in it. It's just like stepping on the court on when you when you're an athlete. I'm yeah. sure you, you were could, able to hone in on it. I'm sure you could speak to it. I mean, once you're like th once I'm thirty seconds into an interview, to a performance, to an audition. Yeah. And things, um, all of a sudden, I'm cool as a cucumber. Yeah, but you, it. all these just things drop, go through your head you just before, drop and in. you're like, I'm good. Yeah, you just gotta yeah. drop in. Just drop. I mean, that's how we were in the you gotta, radio row. We you gotta listen. Yeah. yeah, listening is so important. Listening yeah. is important.
because that's the first step. The minute you start listening, then you're out of your own head. Yep. And then you're present. Mm -hmm. And then that's when then you're in it. And, and then just, you're learning, and it's mama mentality. Absolutely. How many times were you say? It was it was uh, <laughs> it was quite uh, it was quite an experience, and I realized that that day that I think that's that's the lesson is be yourself in whatever role that you uh, are hired for. Always stick to who you are. Stuart Scott, the great Stuart Scott, uh, implemented that into his narrative. Was like, I am going to go on Sports Center, and I'm going to say. Booyah, I'm going to say whatever I want to say. I don't, I'm not going to like stick to just the script. I'm going to be myself. And that's why he's the great. You got to do that in, in this world. And yeah. in any, in any job that you, I mean, you look into. at every, you look at every like major broadcaster and yeah. they're, they are who they are. Stephen A is who he is. Yeah. Dick Vitale. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody, but skip. I'm cool with them being who they <laughs> are. Uh, yeah. Love them or hate them. I love them all. Look, yeah, hey, no, it's, great. we're all in this together. The I will icons. say I do. I love entertainment and all, and I love music. It's my thing. But I really, really enjoy working in sports because people are so, people are so uh, honest and real in in that world. It's not so much of like a team oriented world. Yeah, it's a team, and it's no not so much of like a dog. It's a doggy dog dog world in all as, aspects of media and entertainment because yeah. we're all trying to get somewhere. But I think there's a lot more um, humility and people that just are real. I yeah. really enjoy, I really enjoy working in in sports, and that's because right. it's a lot of people. Most people who work in it are people who played a sport before, or have a passion for it, or right, yeah, respect but I mean, d- for it. Don't belittle your dancing career, though. You know how to put your head down and work <laughs> in a, in a sport more better than anyone. A hundred percent. That's why I think I gravitate to working with athletes, and I understand, yeah. and I can find that common ground with them, and why I'm able to conduct really great interviews with people in that world because they, I know what it takes to win, and I. I have that. I have that background. When it comes to actors, all due respect for you and for the actors of the world, but they're not the. They're not always the easiest people to cut through and really get that nugget of humanity in them. Some of them are. I think now nowadays they are. But no a lot mentality. of it is no. It's a lot of um, this. It's a press junket world, right? So you're on a red carpet or you're at a junket, and they're talking about their film, and it's like the say candid. Same answers, same answers. And right, right. they're told by publicists, right. you know, don't, it's canned. Yeah. It's all canned. Yeah. Don't talk about this, do this, do that. But you learn through the game that you have, a, if you find that nugget of information um, and you are able to cut through beyond just that, that sort of persona they put on, then you can find the human inside. And I think that's, that's like, that's my goal always with interviews is just relating to people. Yeah. Um, there's a moment that I will really quickly touch on about Ben Affleck when he was, yeah. We were backstage, and it was during the time when he was um, in the media about his alcoholism, yeah. and so he was super standoffish. And there were all the it was me and another reporter from ABC Seven, I believe, or another outlet. I don't remember who. And it was just two of us doing the interview. So I was first, and he was second. And we're backstage, and everyone around him was just clamoring to, okay, don't look at him, don't do this, like photographer move here they were just trying to direct everyone and how to act and how to be and he's just sitting there with dudes like sweating and I'm he's sitting there and I'm looking at him I just go hey how's it going I just treated him again like a human being I didn't act like I was a fan I didn't act like I was uh you know I didn't have that confronting persona if you Mm -hmm. will so I think he just kind of looked at me he goes how's it going what are you doing you know how are you doing what's going on how was your day you just have a real conversation with him and it made him drop his guard and I think sometimes you 
that was the experience where I realized that people, sometimes it's the people around the talent or the celebrities that make them feel uncomfortable because yeah. it's like, oh, look who's in the room. And I don't know. It was one of those moments where I, I realized that it, you just have to treat people like they're human beings, period. Yeah. You do. That's in my world, but. I love it. It's a great I example. Love it. Yeah. And it started with Kobe. <laughs> It did. It back to Kobe. It did. Yeah. No, that's it did. so that's so special that that was like your first experience of walking someone down the carpet and just coming full the circle with everything. Per- yeah, it's really amazing. The first person I ever met professionally was the person I was inspired by. It was pretty amazing. And you know what? I will carry on his legacy and continue to create great stories that inspire and shift the world in a new way. And that's just the motivation behind what I'm doing now. Love it. Yeah. I love it. So will we. Yay. So we will, yeah. You we guys all, are amazing. We all have a goal. We Thank all have you. a goal. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, and we're going to meet it. Yes. I mean, yeah. Excited to listen back to this one. A lot of cool nuggets you provided with us. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. And again, seriously, a lot of good lessons. Uh, to the fans out there, drag both feet in bounds, swing on a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt, hit your PKs because they're free. Michelle, thank you so much thank for joining us. We absolutely loved having you. And hit your free throws. Why toss? Because they're free. Because they're free. We <laughs> out you. We love you. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube